Has anyone here ever forgotten anything? <laughs> no, I mean, have you ever gone to do something and, and you forgot what you were going to do? No? Oh, a resounding no, never. Um, it could have been, uh, have you ever done this? Have you ever, like, you, you walk out to the kitchen and you open the fridge and you're like, what was I <laughs> going to get? And you're home alone and so, like, there's nothing in your way. There's nothing stopping you or you've gone to the cupboard. Or perhaps, uh, this is the worst. Have you ever gone to the store and you go in and you had a list, but you don't have the list anymore? And so you're just like, why am I at Sobeys at the busiest time of day? Or, or perhaps, uh, this is the worst because you know how many times someone with a smartphone picks it up. They just grab it and, and look at it. Have you ever gone on your phone, or, or could be computer or anything, and you're just like, why am I here again? Like, what app am I supposed to open at this time? Or you go, oh, I need to Google that, or I need to go to whatever, you know, but you go on and you start to, what am I searching again? Like, what is wrong with me? I, for, I forgot the reason I came. Um, or, or how about this? Have you ever set something down and completely forgot about it on the roof of your car? You can ask my wife about that later. Uh, I don't know if it's too soon. It was almost 10 years ago, but you, you, you need to ask her about that. What about before a trip? Have you ever forgotten a piece of luggage? I know people forget your luggage. I was just talking to Pierre about that too soon. Um, sometimes people forget our luggage, but have you ever gone on a trip and you're like, but where's this thing? Like, and you think someone else on the trip is pranking you? So a few years ago, uh, Kelsey and I, we went on, on vacation and, and we were going up to her aunt and uncle's uh, cottage. It's, you know, three hours away or something like that, not a big deal. And some of you know me personally and so you know that I'm particular. And uh, I took one shirt on vacation, one, one shirt. And so I, I honestly, I came in after the first day and I asked Kelsey, I was like, seriously, like, where'd you put my shirts? And she's like, what, what do you mean? I was like, no, but it's funny, but like, where are my shirts? And she's like, I didn't touch your shirts. And I, I, I go, I look through all the luggage and I'm like, I didn't, I didn't bring one extra shirt. And so I was doing lots of laundry that week. That was, that was fun. That was, that was neat. I'm sure there's lots of things. I guess one time uh, we were in Italy. I, I remembered everything to, to go on that trip. That, that was good. But we were going to take a few days from like the northern part. We are going to take the train down to Rome. And it was a hot season. You feel hot today. You, you can see it on me, can't you? Yeah. I, I went down to, to reset uh, the heat pumps. And so hopefully it helps. I, I really hope it, it does. And things will break after today. But I packed a swimming suit, like a, a swimsuit uh, to go to Italy. But when I got to Rome, I realized, no, I didn't take it for the one time I was really going to use it. And so I had to buy swim trunks there. But, but perhaps you've been there where you, you've gone to do something and you completely forgot or you set something down and it's, it's still on your bed or on your nightstand or it's still on the roof of your car, whatever it might be. We've been there. You're going to see this a little bit later in today's message. But for today, we're, we're in um, John chapter 4. Four. And there, there's so much here, and, and just really great reminder, if you're reading uh, the Bible, whether you're reading in, in a physical paper Bible or, or using an app, it's, it's all good. But sometimes when you see a chapter marker, it's helpful for 
uh, for memory to, to locate something quickly and, and to find verse references. But just remember, sometimes uh, they're not the inspired part, as in uh, sometimes there's things from chapter 2 that, that, that are important for chapter 3, and then there's sometimes things in chapter 3 that are also important for chapter 4, and it's obviously setting up uh, a much broader story. So keep that in mind. But basically where we are is before we see it on the screen, this is the start of chapter 4 where Jesus, he knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did, so he left for Judea and returned to Galilee. And, and so the, the idea here is, uh, is really that in the previous chapter, there's all this, this talk and, and John's disciples are worried uh, this guy, Jesus, that you baptize, he's, he's gaining more disciples. Like he's, the, the stats we've, we've seen, you know, it, it's going up in, in his department. But what does John say that it's like, no, 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 uh, he must increase and I must decrease is, is like the short answer of that. And he talks about this Jesus who he's from above and we think about earthly things, but, but he's from above and he's going to, he, he's the one that, that, you know, God, he's given him the spirit without limit. And, and so keep that in mind as we're moving on. We're going to go today from the waters of baptism, thinking of John's baptism, thinking of the baptism of, of Jesus and, and then of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go from that to a drink from the well to living water. And so let's pick up here in verse 3 of, uh, of John chapter 4. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And so uh, we're, we're going to see... Um, uh, let, let's look at this map now, actually. This, this is going to be helpful for today because, so, so imagine the lower area, uh, Judea. So when you hear about John the Baptist, you hear about him in all four gospel accounts. You hear the baptism of Jesus in all four accounts. We've looked at this already this summer. But you can see the little, the little tiny squiggly uh, of, of water, like that little line on the right-hand side is the Jordan River. So we don't always know like the exact locations, but we have a good idea of where John was baptizing, and then uh, Jesus and his disciples, they, they were baptizing. Like, the baptism probably took place somewhere close to, to Jericho, but we're not, we're not entirely sure. So John was in the wilderness of Judea, and that's, that's kind of over there. And you notice Samaria is, like, kind of in the middle. And, and Galilee, perhaps you recognize some of those things. That's actually the Sea of Galilee up in the top right-hand corner, and so a lot of Christ's ministry goes there. And, and so you can imagine, like, they're, they're in one place, and they want to get to another and so I want to point this out, that he had to go through Samaria. Before we continue, this is kind of, kind of cool. What if it's a divine appointment? We've talked about those from time to time, and, and I was thinking about this literally just yesterday. Well, it actually started last Saturday where I, I biked to the market, to the Boyce Farmer's Market. It was great, and I was getting some food. And, and you've probably had these experiences wherever it might be where you run into someone you haven't seen in 20 years, let's say, you know. And so I ran into one of my old neighbors on the street I grew up, and, and we talked for a moment, and I, I asked where his, his son has, has been, like, it, you know, just what are things like. It was one of my best friends growing up, and he said, well, he's actually coming home this week. I was like, that's awesome. And, and so I was actually praying that I'd have an opportunity to see my old friend, someone who, you know, for the first, you know, 15 years of our lives, we probably didn't go two days without seeing each other. Uh, and, th and those were only because of fights that came out of ball hockey or something like that, right? And so, uh, so I, I was just like, I really hope that I, I can see him. And so this isn't identical, but it just made me think of this. So yesterday, uh, I, I had, did I have to? I didn't have to, but I, I chose to come to the church to, to finish up a couple things to prepare for this. And I brought Bruce along. 
so everything was good. My buddy was with me. But I drove down the old street. Now, I didn't have to go that way, but I was just like, I'm just going to drive by, and if I see him outside, I'll, I'll stop. And sure enough, I drive by. It's the middle of, it's a hot day. You'll see that this kind of fits into our story today. But I drive by, and I, and I wave, and I decide to get out. And so I saw a friend that I hadn't seen for, for a long, long time. Now, you might say, well, is that really the this, this same thing? Maybe not, but sometimes you, you use a word like, well, I had to go this way. Well, I didn't have to go. They could have, on that map again, just one more time, uh, they could have crossed the Jordan and, and, and kind of gone a, a, around to get to Galilee. But for some reason, we, maybe we'll see, maybe your eyes will be open to this. For some reason, Jesus had to go. He had to go through Samaria. So let's pick up in verse 5. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Who's Joseph? He had a really cool coat. Um, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Again, a, a lot of other people, a lot of other Jews at the time would have avoided that whole region if at all possible, right? So did he have to go? Well, let's see. Jesus re- re- replies, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So she's there for a drink and all of a sudden this exchange happens. But sir... You don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never Be thirsty again. It becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And this is where there's a twist in the story. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had Five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship while we Samaritans claim that it's here on on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it'll no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, 
I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, uh, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar. She forgot it. Beside the well, ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. We skip down to verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. He stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Father, we thank you for this story and, and what it is you have for us today. Let's, let's be surprised today by how you show up. Let's be surprised by how you speak through your word. Uh, help me to get out of the way to, to speak to all of our hearts today that we wouldn't leave the same way we came in, but that we'd be, we'd, cha- we'd be changed, that maybe we forget something that we came here for and we take away something different, something that's from you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You had to go to the well. That's what you had to do in, in, in this day. And some people were privileged to maybe have a spring on their property or something like that. But this, this is, is something that you had to do in, in these ancient times. And so if you were privileged enough to live close to it, great, because you didn't have a long journey to take your bucket and get the rope and, and, and dunk it down. And sometimes it could be 100, maybe 150 feet down, depending on how the water made it rise because of different times of year. But it, it was a job. It was a chore. And so often it was women that went, uh, although most people went in the morning or evening. And, and these last few weeks have, have probably been like that for you, where you're like, yeah, if I can do anything to not be out in the middle of the day, that would be great. I'll do any of those kind of chores outdoors in the morning or evening when the sun and the temperatures weren't at their peak. But Jesus, he's stopping at the well. Why? Because he's been on this journey. He's been traveling through, as you saw on the map earlier. He's, he's traveling through. He's, he's tired from this journey. So he sits down and probably finds some shade there. And it, and it happens to be noon just because of whenever they left the last place and when they got here. And they, again, had to go through here, apparently. And so the disciples are, are off to get some food. But why was the woman stopping at the well? Was, was she trying to avoid people? The, these are just speculations. But is it because of her reputation that we find it a little later. We're, we're not entirely sure, but for whatever reason, she does show up uh, at around noon or just after. And so it's a hot time of day, and, and Jesus seems to be the only other one there, at least as far as we know in the story. And so the question right away that we should be asking ourselves is, what is our well? And what is our Samaria? And maybe technically there's another way to go, but have you ever felt compelled to go to a certain place at a certain time? Maybe you have, and maybe you haven't yet, but maybe you will. Maybe there's technically another way. 
but, but what if for some reason you're supposed to go a certain way? You can meet someone anytime, anywhere. Uh, but earlier in this story, actually in, in the previous chapter, Nicodemus, he's this Jewish Pharisee who met with Jesus after dark one evening. And that in and of itself is an interest, interesting story where we actually hear that he doesn't know as much about the Spirit as maybe he should as a religious leader. And we get the verse John 3.16 out of that section as well. And now this woman, maybe John's trying to almost parallel the two of them here for us, that this woman, a Samaritan who's not as religious, although she believes in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, she believes in, in the ancestors, but there's kind of a gap. Uh, she meets Jesus right in the light of day at, at, at noon. And so you see there, there's one meeting who actually knows a lot, but seems to be missing this one piece who meets in the evening, and then one who meets in the day that doesn't know quite as much, but is still actually intrigued and has some great questions. Both are struggling to comprehend the spiritual. One, it's, it's more wind, and the other, it's water, but both Jesus is trying to use as analogies for the Spirit. Isn't that interesting that it's just in the previous chapter? And so at nighttime, you would hear the wind, and that would be kind of evidence. In the daytime, you would see the water, and so maybe there's something there for us. But we pick up in verses 7 through 9, and so Jews and, and Samaritans didn't interact. We've covered that already, but perhaps you're reminded of the story of the Good Samaritan. Actually, I I think this is interesting. I met with Pastor Jason over at, uh, from Corbett Church. Uh, we met at the landing. That's a great well. That's a spot where you're going to meet a lot of people, right? And so we were there, and I was asking him what he was preaching on this week, and he's actually preaching on the Good Samaritan. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I'm talking about a different Samaritan. And then I was talking with my friend John Lamus over at the Lighthouse, Graham and Ann, and he's like, I'm actually talking about the living water, you know, from, from a little bit later in John's Gospel. I'm like, that's kind of cool. So like a couple of different pastors on the district I, I chatted with, we're kind of in similar territory, but remember the Jewish lawyer, he couldn't even say the name of the Samaritan. He couldn't even say, he just said the one who had mercy. And so we were just picking up on how, how much they despised each other. And so here Jesus is interacting with this woman and she's shocked. Later the disciples are shocked. So he's, she's surprised that he's talking to her, even asking for a drink. And then a little bit later, she's talking about Jacob's well. And so really there's also this parallel in the story of there's Jacob's well, but then there's Jesus as well. And so that's really what we're picking up. And there's this question, is he greater than our ancestor Jacob? Uh, oh yeah, he is. He's actually greater not only, but throughout the story of John, we see that he's greater than Moses. He's greater than Abraham. And, and, and not only uh, does he have a past greater than you think, but he has a future for you too. And so he's one that he's the first, he's the last. It, it would blow her mind to know all that in one moment. And as we go a little bit th further into the story, we see that Jesus, he knows our heart. I was just saying that uh, a few moments ago that, that sometimes you'll start at, at the beginning of a chapter. And so if you said, well, I'm going to start in chapter 3. That's a really important one in John. John 3.16 is in there. Let me read that. Well, it would actually be helpful to, to read just a few verses before. And this is what it says at the end of chapter 2. It says, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. And so if that's true, then that changes the interactions that he's having with these people. And so this woman, how did he know about her? Well, he, he knows her heart. And not in a negative way, as it might sound, but even in a positive way. He knows our nature. He knows our heart. 
And so one of the points that I think is coming out of this is that to deal with our thirst, Jesus needs to get to our heart. Do you see that that's true in, in this? Will we let him illuminate? Will, will we let him expose? Will we let him heal uh, what has gone on in our spirit before? Things in this passage, they actually begin at, at quite a surface level, and, and we're going to talk more about this in a moment. But they go higher and deeper throughout in, in two different directions. This is interesting. So this is something that I noticed kind of at the end of the week, and I had to tell Blair. I was like, Blair, I noticed a thing. It's like the end of the, the week, and I was like, oh, this changes everything for me as far as my perspective. Have you ever been there where you've read a passage over and over, and then all of a sudden you're like, I didn't even see what was right in front of me? So this is funny to me that, that Jesus knew, not in a negative way, you're going to see what I mean, but, but Jesus knew the woman had five husbands. That's four too many at, le- at least, and, and not even in a bad way. Like, isn't one spouse enough? I'm going to be in so much trouble in a moment. But, but the thing, there's a thing about five in this story. Notice the progression as her view of Jesus goes higher. I want you to see this. At the beginning of the story, she sees him as a man, a Jewish man, but definitely a man. And then notice, a little bit later, there's some respect earned, and then he's sir. And then when he asks this question, she's like, there's no way that he should be able to know this. I guess I, I see that you're a prophet, so she has a question. She leaves, and then she's like, is he the Messiah? She thinks he is, and she's not 100% sure. There's kind of a question. At the end of the story, the whole village is like, he is the savior of the world. So notice how it goes higher and higher. Isn't this good? So it starts, Jesus is sitting down. He's tired from the journey. He's sitting, and the woman's there, and he asks for a drink. And he's like, why are you this man? And, and then all of a sudden, there's like, okay, I can talk to this person. Sir, she, she, she respects him. He can tell. He, she probably knows that he's a rabbi. That's, so elevates it a little bit. And then that question that goes deeper, she, she's like, whoa, I'm not just talking to a man. I'm not just talking to someone I should respect, but this is a prophet. And so she at least considers him someone who must know all about her. But I love how it, how it quickly transitions and, and it elevates even more to Messiah and then at the end to Savior. So this woman, she's going to the well for some water. And, and, and now she's going from, from physical to spiritual, or you could say from natural to supernatural, from, from just seeing what's on the outside to thinking, from questioning to actually believing. There's this back and forth that's going on for her, and it's all because of Jesus, all because he had to go through Samaria. Isn't that good? It's, it's not over there, though. This is, this is the other thing. This is actually the thing that I mentioned to Blair at the end of the week, is that notice, too, it goes from he needs a drink, he's thirsty. They're both actually thirsty. It goes from drink to, do, do you even have a bucket? You don't have a rope, to talking about the well and how deep it is, and, and that it's Jacob's well that our ancestors had, and he gave it to Joseph, and the animals drank out of it, to, to all of a sudden, he's talking about this spring that's bubbling from within that's going to lead to everlasting life, to at the end, they realize, not only that, he's the source of it all. Isn't that good? So in, in one regard, you see that it goes from man, like at the very lowest, to sir, to then prophet. Okay, cool, to question mark, is, is he the Messiah? To, he, he is the savior of the world, but then it goes deeper from at the top of the well where they're thirsty, they're there for a reason, and then it's like, well, do you even have a bucket? It's like, well, what about this well? Like, how are you going to get this living water? And then to, no, I'm going to tell you about springs that are, that are going to bubble up within you, like you don't even understand, to finding out that he really is the source of it all. 
So if he says he has living water, he does. It's so good. Her view of Jesus will rise higher and higher, and he will take her deeper and deeper. Often uh, we need kind of a, we often resist uh, going deeper, don't we? That's why sometimes we talk about the weather. How, how hot is it out there, am I right? You know, the humidex today. But we often get uncomfortable when someone wants to go a little bit deeper. Not always, but, but quite often. Isn't it easier to talk about theology than to talk about our personal lives? Sometimes. And, and if you don't think so, then, then you're the person who's the overshare. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's too much. But she starts, in this case, did you notice what she does right after that question? Oh, I see that you're a prophet. Let me just sidestep the question that you asked. Let me ask you a question. She's pulling a Jesus where someone asks Jesus a question. He's like, I actually have a question for you. And then he sidesteps. But in this case, she starts asking Jesus questions about worship and the temple, about Jerusalem about Mount Gerizim, and, and they, so the Jews and the Samaritans, you need to know, uh, there was one point where they, they kind of saw eye to eye, and then, and then things kind of split, but, but when I was talking about them understanding and, and believing in the first five books, like, she definitely believes there's this Messiah who's going to come and, and fill people's buckets, there's this one that's going to come, and so some of the language that we might just take for granted, she's picking up on some of these cues, but when she starts talking about this Mount Gerizim, a lot happened in this general area from things that happened with Abraham and Isaac to then Jacob, who she's talking about. But also, what would have happened maybe a hundred and some years before this scene that we're reading about, there was a high priest from Jerusalem who went and destroyed their place of worship. So it, it wasn't just that they weren't friendly. It's that they, they actually tore down something that they held in high regard to try to worship God. And so... Uh, so it, she has in, in mind, even though she wasn't a part of it, she would have heard the stories of, yeah, the high priest came and destroyed our place of worship. She doesn't realize that this high priest that she's talking with is going to rebuild it for her and show her that the place of worship, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually matter because actually you're going to have the spirit within you. I, I'm the temple, but you're going to be collectively a, a temple that has the presence of God within you. And so as one high priest destroyed, another one rebuilds. It's so good. Jesus talks about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And I, I think I've heard this, you know, for over 20 years. And, and, and I think maybe I, I continually need to, to see um, what it really means. And, I, and I'm hoping that I, maybe together we can see this. But I've noticed at the end of the week when I started noticing, not only is her view going higher and higher in the truth of who she's dealing with, and Jesus is taking her deeper and deeper and trying to explain the spirit, maybe that's partially where it meets. Maybe that's where spirit and truth meet, is, is truth would be higher, uh, but spirit would be deeper. Maybe, maybe. The, the Samaritans, they believed that this Messiah was coming. They had a different name for him. They had the Pentateuch, as I mentioned, and all of a sudden, uh, this, this one that's greater than Moses had, had come. He's greater than Jacob. He's greater than Moses. He knows her past, and he wants a better future for her. Oh, it's so good. And then in, in verse 27, we see that the disciples, uh, they, they come back and they went to buy food. And, and so the, the thing is that, that I've noticed, I wouldn't have picked up on this right away, but uh, in this area, the, the only food that they probably would be able to get that wasn't ceremonially unclean was, was probably dried food that's prepared a certain way. So they disliked the people so much and, and also because of, of, of 
just their religion and, and different rituals that they had, there was certain food that they wouldn't have had from a, a Samaritan that would have been frowned upon. Um, and, and so naturally, the, the guys are thinking about literal food the same way that this woman is thinking about a literal uh, drink of, of water. And they're shocked to find Jesus interacting, not just with a, a woman, but with a Samaritan. Like, what is going on there? They're kind of speechless by this. But but what a lot of people have pointed to is that Jesus, he's willing to interact throughout Scripture with the unclean, with the diseased, with the possessed, with, with people that are other. Why? Because Jesus sanctifies what he touches. And so if there's ever a fear of, of, of is Jesus going to be, uh, become unclean by some interaction? No, no, no. The other person is going to become clean because of Jesus. It's so good. And this woman, this is why I asked at the beginning, you know, have you ever forgotten something? Well, this woman had. Uh, she left her water jar. And there's lots of implications there, I'm sure. But she, she left. She, she, uh, did Jesus even get a drink? Like, he, he was thirsty from this, from this whole situation. It's kind of like, like before. Like, how'd the guy get, get the clothes? You know what I mean? That other story. But in this case, like, did Jesus get a drink or not? He's like, can, I, can we use this bucket? Like, can we use that? Um, she leaves the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. You, you can insert what, whatever the Spirit's kind of telling you on this. Are you interpreting maybe as, as I am that like, well, she went for that water, but she got a different source altogether. She's coming back to get the living water. She's no longer concerned to quench her, her, her thirst in a physical way, but maybe in a spiritual way instead. And so possibly she was avoiding people. Remember, she came at noon. Most people would have come in the morning or in the evening when the sun isn't and the temperatures aren't at, at its peak. But Jesus is there because he's passing through. He had to go. Uh, and maybe she was avoiding people. That, that's possible, at least. Maybe she's been avoiding these people. But now she's so excited to talk to them and introduce them to Jesus. It's so cool how that, how that shifts in, in such a short little uh, time span. She was so excited that she forgot her water. I love this. I, I often, as, as maybe some of you do, listen to different podcasts, maybe when you're out, out for a walk or on a drive or something like that. Um, one that I listened to not too long ago before this whole series began uh, is, is really one by Tim Ferriss, and he has a variety of different people on his podcast. And there's one, uh, Terry Crews. Do you know? He, he's usually known as an actor. He's a really big guy. Uh, he's in some comedies and, and stuff as well. So he's sharing this story, and, and I almost forgot that I was talking about being thirsty. And did you notice I got a different color? Uh, I had to spice things up a little bit. It's a new month. Excuse me one second. When you talk about water all this time, like, are you guys thirsty? Is that, is that an illustration too? So Terry's sharing this heartfelt uh, kind of moment with Tim in the middle of the interview, as, as sometimes it, it does when someone's digging a little bit deeper. And so he, he shared a lot about his, his past, things that people wouldn't have known unless he brought it to, to light. And his wife definitely knew about some of these things. But he talked about his anger and how he would snap at the drop of a hat. And he said he couldn't control himself. So sometimes he would try to control others in other situations. And he said in his own words that oftentimes things were either my way or the highway, and, and he could be cruel and self-righteous even to his own children. And, and so he shares this story, and, and this is what stood out to me. So his, 
He's with his family on vacation. The place doesn't really matter. But at the time, uh, one of his children, his, his son was maybe about four years old. And his son spilled some water all over the table. And it's on everyone. Have you ever been there? I, I've done it. We were just talking about it last night. We were playing a board game and I spilled water. And that's brutal because then the, the cardboard soaks it up and it's awful. And, and so there's lots of reactions that could happen when someone spills, even, even water. Uh, but especially if it's milk or something else, right? And so this four-year-old, his, his son, he spills the water. It's over everything and everyone. And normally his experience would be to explode in something like this. Even though it doesn't really matter, he would just explode. But instead, his response was like, hey, man, it's okay. Uh, we'll, towel, we'll, we'll get a towel. You know, it's okay. People make mistakes. And he was like really soft-spoken, really caring, really gentle, really patient. And apparently as he started dabbing up the water, the rest of the table is speechless because of the way he, he was before. And so they expected, you know, what's wrong with you? And he would have went off and, and he would have ruined the dinner and, and probably the whole vacation. That's what he said. And, and when he was dabbing up the water, his wife said to him, actually in private, like, Terry, you're, you're different. You've You've changed, and she knew the change that was starting to go on, but all of a sudden it became evident, and she told him to remember the water. And I thought, how powerful to, to remember the water. We were talking just a few weeks ago as we were going into Baptism Sunday that we need to remember the water. Those of us that have already been there, to remember the water. And, and for Terry, the next Time And there was a situation that probably did warrant uh, an escalation of, of, of at least words. Uh, he was tempted to just act on his impulses. He was, he was tempted to allow his anger to just completely overtake him. But then he stopped and he remembered his wife's words, remember the water. And I thought how powerful as we're in this series looking at the imagery from, from Genesis all the way to the final chapter of Revelation about water. And, and it's deeper than even we can look at in, in one message or even one series in the summer. But remember the water. A few chapters later in John's gospel, this is what our, our friend John over at the lighthouse uh, is speaking on today. Just a couple verses on the, the last day, the climax of this festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And then John adds this little uh, kind of commentary after that. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered his glory. And so we have the privilege to see beyond uh, where he is in this exact scenario. We, we know and we were just singing and celebrating what Jesus has done on the cross and how he's overcome uh, even death. And, and remember, it was after that, like, like, you know, the day of Pentecost is, is the day that the Spirit came in a powerful way. So he's talking about this. Well, in Acts uh, 1, uh, Jesus is saying to his disciples right before he ascends into heaven that John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he jumps down a little bit, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And listen to this, and, and we'll look at the map, in Jerusalem, throughout Ju Judea, in Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. And so when we look at this now, maybe with a different perspective, you see starting in Jerusalem, that's where they had to go and wait. And throughout Judea, and as they're kind of spreading out, notice it's going kind of higher. They're going deeper into the rest of the world, right? They're going in Samaria. And then the rest of the world, it goes to the ends of the earth. So from Jerusalem to Judea and throughout Samaria, from the Jews to the Samaritans to the world. And so initially the people, they believe because of the woman's testimony. And the people, I, I love how they're streaming from the village. Is that something John's trying to sneak in there for us? But later living water would be streaming from Jesus. And so think of that word witness that he uses um, in a few different places, but even at the, or in Acts as we were just reading. Witness, a witness is, is someone who has seen and heard. Witnesses describe what they have seen and heard. And, and so my question is, what have you seen? What have you heard as you've encountered uh, God, as you've encountered Jesus? So one of the questions that, that we'll look at here, and I'll, I'll invite the band to come back. We're about to close in, in worship, but... But one of the challenges is to remember the water. And so the question that we asked earlier is, what is our well? Well, where did Jesus meet you? He can meet us in lots of different places. Uh, sometimes you, you could think, well, he would clearly avoid this direction. But what if he came directly to you? He didn't have to cross and go around, but he came directly to you. And, and what well, what divine appointment uh, will help someone else meet Jesus? And so sometimes I notice them, and sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, as, as kind of open-minded about it, but have you ever prayed, or, or would you ever consider praying, God, would you set up a divine appointment for me this week? Would you set one up so that I could meet someone at, at a well, or, or even in a place that it doesn't seem like someone would be there at that time, but it just seems like you cross paths in a way that could bring glory to God. Or maybe someone's thirsty and you're able to give them a drink. Maybe you're able to, to flip it around. But doesn't it start with thirst? This woman went thirsty and she realized uh, she didn't know how thirsty actually she was. And so the challenge is for us to go deeper. Remember the woman, it started with seeing Jesus as a man and then sir and then prophet and then Messiah. And then all of them seeing him as the savior of the world. And later the disciples would go back and, and these people would receive the Holy Spirit, this living water that Jesus was talking about. He took, took them much deeper than they expected. It went from being thirsty and eating a drink to do you have a bucket to what about this well to what about the springs that are going to bubble within you to Jesus being the source of it all? Will we settle for shallow or are we thirsty enough to go deeper? So don't just remember the water. My challenge would be to remember the source. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you. And, and, and at this time, uh, we're literally thirsty and, and we, want to, we want to know, we want as our thoughts towards you as, as the truth, as as our thoughts about you and understanding who you are and what that means are elevated and become higher and higher, would you take us deeper? God, we know that you go straight to the heart and you know all about us. And, and so as we get ready to, to sing now, we know that you care about our whole heart. And so we want to offer our whole heart to you in this moment. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.